a strange way to say the Such a strange way to say the word. This is such a strange way. Such a strange way. A strange way to say the word. Strangers walk through the door. Oh, I wanted much more for you. Look at me, can't you tell? All is He's part of you, and he's part of me, he's part of heaven. He's part of you, and he's part of me, he's part of heaven. Sure. 
Good morning, everybody. Good to be in God's house today. I almost forgot it was me kicking off this service. We're gathering in to worship and to pray together, to hear his word. This morning to hear our kids. Are, are there any kids in the house? If the kids are within the sound of my voice, uh, right there is big Isaac on the front row. If the kids are within the sound of my voice, they can begin to come this way. And uh, they're going to sing for us. Are you all enjoying this beautiful time of year? The Advent season leading to Christmas, which is, wow, two weeks from today. Is that right? One of my all-time, come on up, kids. One of my all-time favorite Christmas texts, I think, is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. And in Hebrews... Uh, the writer is making a case for the superiority of Christ over all that had gone before. And in that first chapter, it's an argument for the superiority of Christ over the angels. And he begins to quote Old Testament passages. And at one point, he uh, quotes something from the Old Testament that says, When God brought his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. And I love that verse. And it occurred to me this morning that as we come to worship the Christ of Christmas, as we come to worship God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we join the heavenly host in that who are continually around his throne in worship to God. Amen? That's a beautiful thing. We appreciate our uh, children's ministry director, Tracy. Did you want to say anything before these guys sing? We're good? Okay. Then uh, let's let the kids usher us into worship today. God bless them as they sing.
good job. I am so proud of each of you. Can you stay right here while we pray so that we can pray together for our kids as a congregation? So here we go. Heavenly Father, I am just so grateful for each and every one of these kids. And I thank you, Lord, that you are leading their hearts closer and closer to you, Jesus. I thank you that you are giving us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to tell us and what you are showing us, God. And I just pray for this Christmas season that each of us will really ponder what it really meant for you to send your one and only son to die on that cross. And Lord, how frail Jesus came, but he did it so that we could be saved. And Lord, I'm just so grateful, and everyone here is grateful. So we just pray that you will bless our service, bless um, the word that's going to be given. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, kids. You are going to go on back to Miss Sharon back here, and she is going to give you guys a lesson today. So go on, follow back. Good job. Good morning. You all may be seated. Thank you. You know, we do have good, good news to share, don't we? Jesus Christ is born, and that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're so glad. Well, I hope you all picked up one of the handouts as you came in. If you did not, Larry is going to be walking around here. He's not just wandering aimlessly as he tends to do, but he's handing out um, handouts to anyone who might have forgotten one when they came in. So just raise your hand, catch his eye there, and he will give you one of those handouts. In those handouts is a connection card. If this is your first time here, or if you've been here and have not filled one of these out, 
I would love for you to just take a few minutes, fill that out. I would love to be able to contact you this week, and thank you for coming. Um, an email address, a name and email address would be enough, and I just thank you so much for that. And also, on the back of that card is an opportunity to put a prayer request down. And we would love to be praying for you this week. If there's anything going on or uh, that we can be praying about, just mark that down on that card, put your name on there, and know that we will be praying for you this week. Thank you so much for doing that. Yesterday, the women of the church had an incredible time at our women's tea. Thank you to Barbara Fritz and her team for putting that on. That was just a wonderful time. And you know what was exciting was at every table, there were women there that I had not met yet. So it was a great outreach event, opportunity to get to know some uh, women from the community and to just um, celebrate this season with the incredible women here at WP NAS. Also this week, I had the privilege of getting to go to the Pioneer Store in Cripple Creek. I'd heard so much about the Pioneer Store. Cheryl Birch heads that up. She started that years ago. Uh, for needy families, needy students there in Cripple Creek. And that was a great time of just serving in that way and uh, at the store. I want to just direct your attention to that handout again, holiday services, times, information, all right there in that handout. Uh, we're going to go Christmas caroling on the 21st. That information is there. Um, in that handout, you'll want to probably wear your earmuffs for that. I imagine it's going to be cold, but I know it'll be fun. And also, I'm going to invite Scott to come forward to give us some information about the pastoral leadership, or no, for the pastoral update, search update. Um, but also in your bulletin, you can find um, information about the pastoral leadership plan uh, to over the Christmas season while uh, Ben and I are traveling back to Maryland. Also, you'll see a handout in your handout there that um, talks about a Christmas morning or Christmas day dinner that's going to be handed out. This handout is to give to somebody that you think might benefit from receiving um, a Christmas dinner. So be sure and take that with you. And uh, if the Lord lays someone in your heart that could benefit from that, just uh, you'll have that to give to them with all the information. I'll turn this mic over to Scott for pastoral search update information. Thank you, ma'am. Good morning, Woodland Park, Church of the Nazarene. How are we doing? So it's my privilege to come up here every few weeks and give an update of where we are in our pastoral search. And where we are today is back to square one. Uh, we, had, we had two good candidates that showed interest that we were interested in talking to, and both of those candidates have asked to withdraw their names from, from the selection process. And I know that's, I heard the collective sigh, uh, but I would, I would just encourage everybody that, that the job that the, that the board is doing is actually a delightful one. Um, I spent most of my most of my career in meetings, board meetings, blah blah blah, and hated every minute of it. But I, I have to say that I I am always encouraged when I get together with this board. This is a group of people that have our best interest, our best interest in mind, 
and work very well together. The other thing I do know is just from the business world that when you're going to fill a spot where somebody's going to be responsible for, oh, I don't know, 100 people, you're not looking for just any ordinary Joe off the street. You're not going to go to McDonald's and find somebody behind the counter that steps into the role. That I don't think you're going to find somebody at McDonald's behind the counter that's going to step into the pastoral role of a, of a church that has a lot going for it. But I want you to be encouraged because this is just another step in the process. And what we do not need is to have somebody that takes the position, but in the back of their mind had a question whether or not that was the right thing for them to do. I took a job in Tennessee from California, and, and I remember getting, getting into my truck, and we were just, just going to pull out of Los Angeles, and I told one of my good friends, this might have been the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. <laughs> well, here I am in Colorado, so Tennessee didn't last. We don't want that to be our experience for, for a pastor. So let the process uh, do its work, but there is work to be done, and we continue to cover your prayers uh, as, as we continue down this process. We would not expect that we will see any more resumes before the first of the year. Think about it. What's two weeks from today? I'm sorry, what? Really? And so what's three weeks from today? 2023. So I wouldn't expect that we're going to see any, any uh, resumes before then, but we might. And we'll certainly keep you updated on that. I just, I think that we're going to be, uh, it's going to be a little bit longer, but I, I think come, come the 1st of January, we're going to see quite a bit of activity. All right. Thank you very much for your time. And we covet your prayers. Yes, God has this, and we don't need to fret or worry. He is in control. Ben and I are going to be traveling over the Christmas season, but then we're going to be coming back. I don't know if that's good news or, or bad news, but we're going to be coming back, and we're very excited to be uh, celebrating the new year with you here at WP NAS. Thank you so much. And as we anticipate the birth of Christ this third Sunday of Advent, I invite Harry and Barbara to come forward and to light the Advent candle. We keep coming back to the prophetic words of Isaiah 9 because all the themes of the Advent Sundays are found there. On this third Sunday of Advent, we hear in Isaiah's words, the theme of joy. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, the light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
Last Sunday, we heard the familiar words of the angels as they announced the birth of that son, Jesus, to those lowly shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then from the Apostle Peter in the first letter, the reason for our joy. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. On this third Sunday in Advent, we, write the, we light the pink candle, the candle of joy. Thank you, Harry and Barbara. Our ushers are going to come, and we're going to wait on you for morning tithes and offerings. If you have that connection card filled out, please go ahead and put that in the plate as it goes by. And I would like to pray and ask God's blessing on this time. Father, we thank you so much for the joy that we have because of your son. We thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you, Father, for the joy of giving and receiving. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to give, to continue to worship by giving our tithes and offerings today. Father, I just thank you so much for a generous church. I thank you, Father, for just the ways that you provide for us in such beautiful ways. And Lord, help us to be generous with others as well. And Father, bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. continue our time of worship. Would you stand with me as we sing our hearts out to Jesus?
this time of year. We're grateful for your son. Grateful for his presence in our lives. Thank you. We praise you for who you are, Father. We give you thanks for all you've done for us. We're grateful for your presence here today. Lord, we bring our needs to you. We bring those we love that are struggling, that are sick that are in difficult times. We lift them up to you right now. We pray for your grace and your mercy. It's awesome to be able to come before your throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. I lift up those that have come here today with perhaps heavy hearts, needing to hear a word of encouragement, a word of hope, and I pray that they have already, or if they haven't, that they will soon. 
God, you would speak to us, speak into our lives, speak life into us, oh God. Strengthen our faith today and brighten our hope. Lord, we think about our community, our country, our world. Lord, wherever your church is, God, I pray that you'd strengthen faith there. And God, uh, whether here in our own backyard or halfway around the world, I pray that we would be salt and light, Christ's hands and feet. Lord, I imagine the family gatherings that will happen at these next few weeks. Some of those will be uh, joy-filled. Some of those will be tough. I pray that those of us here today who follow Jesus, that we would bring light and life and laughter to those family gatherings and where perhaps there are strained relationships prohibiting those gatherings I pray that you'd redeem and reconcile and help us Lord as we turn the corner into a new year God we do that with anticipation for all that you're going to do in and through and among us Once again today, Father, we ask for ears to hear your word. Lord, may we receive the message that you have for each of us today. And I pray all those things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. I'm realizing that I must have left something I need somewhere along the way. I'm going to check my bag. Maybe I've got something in here. Uh Uh-oh, I don't. No. Hmm. Oh. Amber, do you have our reading, a copy of it? Yes. Bring that up with you when you come. Not yet, though. Don't move. Not until I give you the signal. It's been one of those mornings. But the Lord's helping us. Hey, I was thinking about this uh, pastoral search and the latest news, and I was walking through the first floor of your parsonage, and when we got there, this was hanging up. Scott, if you've got that picture, and it made me uh, think this is something we ought to uh, look at today, huh? I agree with uh, what's already been said. God must have someone even better for you. And this isn't a process we want to rush. We want to prayerfully uh, stay in step with the Spirit as God leads. And as Kelly said, we're here until that uh, happens for you, until your new pastor is on the horizon. We're with you. And it got, got me to thinking this morning that perhaps there's something that God wants to do in the waiting. I find in life that's often the case. And so that's the way we'll pray. Advent is a season of waiting, amen? And we're uh, in the third week of this season of preparation and anticipation of Christmas. Also a time when we remember Christ's first coming and anticipate his second coming. I ran across this quote uh, the other day and I like it. Uh, It's on the uh, Facebook page of the shelter that our youngest daughter Abby used to work for. Scott, do you have that there for us? 
A Henry Nouwen quote, the Lord is coming, always coming. When you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will recognize him at any moment of your life. Life is Advent. I like that. Life is Advent. Life is recognizing the coming of the Lord. And to that I say amen. My prayer at Christmas time is always, come Lord Jesus. And I intend for him to come right now uh, to make his presence known to us. Well, I watched uh, the first part of our service back home last week and the first part of that new pastor's message. He's about two months into uh, his new lead pastor role there at uh, the Gaithersburg Church of the Nazarene. He was our youth pastor for 12 years, and he's doing a great job. He uh, introduced his message in a unique way, and I asked him if I could borrow that today. He had five classic Christmas movies that he believes have great first lines, and he uh, saw last Sunday if that congregation could name uh, the movie for all four, five of those great first lines, and they got four out of five. I'm thinking you're going to do better. I want to use it this morning. You ready? Great first lines to crack classic Christmas movies. Okay, here's the first one. This is an easy one. I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father. What's that movie? It's a Wonderful Life. Now, here's the one that they didn't get. Great first line number two, Scott. On Christmas Eve, many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. Not Christmas Carol. Shout out an answer. I need you youngins on this one. Not a Christmas story. Cody. Polar Express. Yes. Take that, Gaithersburg Church of the Nazarene. We got it, and you didn't. I think the rest of these are pretty uh, easy. Here's the next one. The Grinch, you stole Christmas, and there's the newer version. Okay, fourth one. This is an easy one, too, I think. Charlie Brown Christmas. If we had left Linus off of that, that might have been a little tougher. And here's the, I think, the best first line in Christmas story ever. Next and finally. <laughs> I love that Christmas carol. There you go. That's good. Well, um, I think one of the best first lines in any book of the Bible comes from the Gospel of John. And uh, that's where you can turn in your Bibles or Bible apps this morning. I've got some young friends that are going to come up and help me with uh, the first 18 verses of this uh, great prologue to John's gospel. And those uh, young folks can come up right now. John chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 1, and we'll uh, go down through verse 18. And uh, Brother Jeff, we're going to use this mic too. I'll keep using my own. Thanks to these uh, three for their help with this uh, beautiful word in the gospel of John. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a a witness to the light, the true light that gives life to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet for all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decisions, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son who is at the Father's side, has made him known. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's thank these young folks for helping me this morning. Thank you, guys. theme of this uh, first Sunday, as we've already noted, is, is joy, but I'd like to come back to the theme of uh, hope in preaching today. It was uh, back on March 4 of this year that Kelly and I began our journey west. Nine months today we've been in Woodland Park. It's hard to believe. Time flies when you're having fun, right? We started in the, uh, where's Dick wrong, flatlands of Maryland. Headed north for a quick stop uh, in Brookville, Pennsylvania to dedicate this little girl. Yes. Now soak it in. That's the last you'll see of her for three weeks. Then west to Ohio, on to Kansas City, and on March 11, on to Colorado. 70 west, cut down on 40, and then our GPS went out. We had to look at the old atlas and Route 95 looked like a good way to get into Colorado Springs, and that's what we took through Winona, Kansas, where we had a great dinner with a bunch of ranchers and farmers there in that little restaurant. And then up the pass, I'll never forget that, up that pass. And I thought, where in the world are we going? And we were hopeful. We were hopeful for us in this uh, new chapter in our lives, and we were hopeful for you. And you know what? We've not been disappointed. And we're just as hopeful today. Thanks be to God. 
Don't know if you remember, but hope was the theme in that first message on March 13th that I preached right here in this space. Preached from Romans 4. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. we got to keep the faith. Amen? Well, the word hope does not appear anywhere in these 18 verses of John chapter 1, but it's everywhere. Here's my message this morning. Hope and God with us. This prologue in John 1, I think, sums up the gospel. And hope is everywhere in the gospel and everywhere in this passage. But the one verse that uh, may stir hope in me the most is that 14th verse. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. The word became flesh. The word, lagos in the Greek. That's how John chose to describe Jesus, God's son, the second person in the Holy Trinity. He chose Lagos for the good of both his Jewish and Gentile readers. The Jewish readers would have recognized Lagos, the word. God spoke the world into existence, and God said, let there be, and there was. And the Greeks would have also recognized that word, Lagos. It, it personified wisdom for the Greeks, which was important to them. The word, think about it. Think about what John uh, tells us here, the Word that was with God in the beginning. When the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, over the face of the earth, the Word through whom all things were made, the Word that was God, not just with God, was God, the Word in whom was life, the Word that was the light of men, the Word that gives light to everyone that ever walks on the face of the earth. The word who gives to everyone who believes the right to become a child of God, adopted into his family, reconciled to the Father, born again, that word became flesh. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it, moved into the neighborhood. It doesn't get much better than that. Made his home among us, made his dwelling among us. We're talking about hope today. Here's where we begin. He came. God came. Showing up is huge. I've talked to you about the nonprofit that I formed back uh, in Maryland to give uh, young men at risk work experience, work alongside some godly men in our church and at the beginning of every work day back there, we split wood and uh, delivered it to folks. That was our primary job. Did some other yard work, mulching and things. But at the beginning of every work day, we'd open the word together and we'd pray together. And then I'd remind them of some of the basics when you're in business, when you have a job. And uh, at the top of that list was showing up. That didn't happen for all my guys. We had the old three-strike uh, rule, you know, two strikes, third one, you're out. You got to show up. We have deliveries to make. We've scheduled customers for a certain time. I was really proud of the fact that in five years we only was late. We only were late one time with a delivery, and that's because we got our truck stuck in the mud. Said you got to show up. That's the beginning. Showing up is crucial. We had a 
group of guys who used to meet for Bible study and prayer at 6.30 every Tuesday morning in a Bob Evans back home. And uh, we had one hour. Guys had to get to work. Many of them had long commutes. None of them were retired, as I remember it. And so we, we had to be done at 7.30 and be on our way. It was about 20 after, and our order hadn't gotten there, and we kind of got sidetracked, didn't think about it. And then it's about 40 minutes in, and it still hadn't. We had no food. We had 20 minutes left. And so one of the guys went back and checked with a manager that we had become friends with, and she was uh, uh, sitting in the kitchen in tears. She had been all morning trying to keep up with orders. Her cook didn't show up. They ended up having to close the restaurant after we got done. Even though we offered to cook and serve tables and all the rest, they didn't take us up on that. I don't know why. Showing up. I love history and historical fiction and have read quite a bit about World War II. Can you imagine what it meant for prisoners of war in Nazi concentration camps when Allied troops showed up at the end of that great war? 20 centuries ago, God showed up to rescue us, to free us, to save us. Someone tells the story of growing up in a neighborhood when they played uh, football, pick up football in the street after school, and how when a certain dad came home from work, everyone, everyone wanted him on their team because that was a certain win. And as I recall the story, it wasn't so much about that dad's great arm as it was just about his presence. I'll never forget four years ago in October, my stepdad died unexpectedly. We went back for the funeral, uh, memorial service, uh, 450 miles west of us in Ohio. And the day for the memorial service came, and uh, just minutes before the service began, and from the front row of that church in Dayton, Ohio, I looked back, and through the back door came a family from our church in Gaithersburg who had made that uh, 450-mile trip just to be there. Do you think I'll ever forget that? And to shift the focus of these illustrations just a bit, think about when that baby that's been nothing more than a big belly, at least from a dad's perspective, <laughs> I'm flashing back to when Kelly was carrying our firstborn. Kelly was huge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> For Kelly, she was huge. I mean, but you just look at that belly for months, and then all of a sudden, that baby's in your arms. That's the difference showing up makes. What was hidden is now revealed. We're talking about presence, the ministry of presence, and the hope that comes when someone is simply there. God with us. Fear not, Gabriel said to Mary. Why not? She had all kinds of reasons to be afraid. <laughs> Fear not, Gabriel said to Mary. For the Lord is with you. And that's still the message this Christmas. 
God came in the person of Jesus, and with Jesus, hope. All my retired uh, colleagues here this morning will relate to this. How many times have you heard over the course of your pastoral ministry? Oh, pastor, thank you for being here. There wasn't much that you could say. There wasn't much that you could do. But just being there seemed to make all the difference. Think about the world that Jesus was born into. The world was a mess. Israel was under Roman rule, occupied territory. Roman soldiers in the streets, Roman crosses with Jewish people nailed to them on the outskirts of every Roman occupied town. The world's still a mess, but God is with us, and that makes all the difference. In our staff meeting last week, Kelly reminded us of what Jesus' first coming must have meant to God's people in those days of Roman occupation. They were looking forward to Messiah's coming. It made me wonder if we look forward to Jesus' coming in our day. When he comes, he's going to make everything new. He's going to call an old end to the old order of things. No more suffering, no more sadness. He came, he's coming again, until he comes again, he's with us. That's good news. But the good news doesn't stop there. God came and God became one of us. Kai alagasarks in the Greek, the word became flesh. The writer of Hebrews captures this, Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. He had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Hebrews chapter 4, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Let that soak in a little bit. Yet he did not sin. I would say of all the truth, looking back on my life, of all the truth as a young person that captured my heart, I think that would top the list. When I began to recognize that, that God not only came, but became one of us, that he stepped into my shoes, that's remarkable. There's nothing like experiencing something yourself to help you relate to someone. Back in college, I read a little book by uh, John Howard Griffin, a journalist called Black Like Me. Anybody ever read that book? Does that title? Yeah, it might have been a common thing back in the day, written in 1961. This white journalist uh, temporarily pigmented his skin so that he could go as a black man into the deep south, and he did that for six weeks and chronicled his experience. Want to know what a black man experiences in the deep south in the 60s? Become one. That's what God did for us. Back to being a dad, I watched my own dad, watched other dads, 
but until 6.13 p.m. on November 20, no, if I get Beck's birthday wrong, I'm in big trouble. November 12, 1989, when I became a dad, it brought it all to light. That's what God did for us. We're talking about hope this morning. The hope that shouts so loudly and shines so brightly at Christmas time when God came to be with us, when God became one of us. I hope you'll sing this hymn before the Christmas season is over. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Or as the song we'll sing before we leave today says, he wrapped our injured flesh around him breathed our air, and walked our side. What a wonder. And beyond simply being able to relate to us, his life lived for a while among us, now is our example for our own living. What would Jesus do? Well, I can tell you. Turn to the Gospels and find out. And not only that, but Christ Jesus God in the flesh who became one of us is now praying for you, interceding for you, pulling for you, wanting you to make it, doing all he can to help you as you let him. And he knows exactly what you're going through. The person at the right hand of the Father who has been restored to all authority in heaven and earth knows exactly what you're feeling, knows exactly what it means to walk in your shoes, knows exactly what it means to live here in this fallen, being redeemed world. Do you believe that? Give me an amen if you do, just to encourage me a little bit. Yes, that's awesome. Back to Hebrews chapter 2. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then that beautiful fourth chapter, 15th, 16th verses. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Therefore, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. His life is an example. He's praying for us, knowing what it's like to be us. And then Christ would offer that life, that body on the cross, making it possible for us to live. We're talking about the beauty, the wonder, the meaning of the incarnation of God becoming one of us. Back to Hebrews one more time. Hebrews 2, 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Down to verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Now, fear not. That's been a theme this Christmas for me. We don't need to fear anything that happens to us in this life or death when this life ends. Think about it. What other God 
became like those he created? What other God stepped into the world he spoke into existence? What other God? Side note, there are things that all the religions of the world perhaps have in common. Some kind of moral teaching, maybe even uh, an afterlife. But Christian faith stands alone. There is no God that became man. We're talking about hope this morning. There's hope for the world. You believe that? Say amen. That's good. There's hope for your situation. You believe that? Say amen. This is kind of fun saying amen. We ought to do this more often. (laughs) There's hope for you. Oh, yeah. There's hope for me. Oh, I thought you were going to leave me hanging on that one. Because God came. Because God showed up. And the God who was with us for a time in the person of Jesus is with us now. The God who came, he keeps coming. God not only exists, but he cares about us. He loves us. He not only created the world, but he stepped into it. He came into it full of grace and truth. And from him, whether we recognize it or not, we've all received one blessing after another, including the fact that we're here today, living and breathing. And for those who believe the blessing of becoming children of God, we've got hope that we can, this is the beautiful thing, that we can see and hear and touch Check out uh, John's first letter, not his gospel, his first letter and how he begins it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. We need hope, and we've got it in Jesus. We've got all the hope in the world. God is with us. It's the message of Christmas. And my prayer is in this season of preparation that each of us might remember that. I need to. That we might repent of any attitude that dims that hope. That we might come to experience the near and real presence of the living Christ afresh and anew in these weeks that are still left in this season. That our hope might be kindled anew. That we can live each day hopeful, for real. I'm serious. I'm not kidding right now. That we would not look at the world around us and wring our hands or be worried or afraid or that our message to those that don't yet follow Jesus is this country is going to hell in a handbasket. What in the world? I mean, there's some concerns, but we've got to be hope-filled and can be as Christians. Amen? I'm going to invite our worship team to come back, but before I close, I can't miss the opportunity to connect the life of Jesus and what he did with our lives and what we can do with this message of hope that we've heard today because God came. And the message of hope that we can show and tell to those around us. Jesus came and what a difference he made in this world.
as Jesus came, we're called to go. And what a difference we can make. And even in those times when there isn't anything much that can be said, or maybe anything much that can be done, just being there, the ministry of presence is powerful. Like here today. When I look out and see you here, you may not shake my hand, say anything, do anything. That encourages me. That tells me you love God. You love this church. You love your pastor. You love each other. And you're here to worship him. The ministry of presence is huge here today. And every day as we love each other and care for each other and bear each other's burdens and love our neighbor and reach out in this community and serve and care. In this sacred season and as we turn the corner into a new year, hey, let's be there for each other. Just as God has always been there for us. Merry Christmas. The Lord is with you. I've asked Lori uh, if we could sing this final song. It really beautifully captures the message. And as we sing it or hear it, let's, uh, let's pray. Let's pray for a world. Let's pray for each other. And let's commit ourselves to being there for each other in these days. Amen? God bless you.
that I don't hear well. It's not that I don't listen. I don't hear well. That's a Zoom meeting started at 6, and by 6.05, I could look at Jane sitting across the room from me, and I knew that things weren't going the way I hoped they would. The morning before, I met with my guys on, on Tuesday at McDonald's, and I was so excited about where we were at in the process. flooded with this disappointment. And maybe maybe you're there too right now. I told Jane before that meeting started, I said, I'm not I'm not gonna do well if this doesn't work out. And I've got to put a lot of energy into this and I know about the board I live with one of the members, and I'm so proud of them, and they work so hard together. And when they were in complete unity, my heart was excited. I was really down Wednesday night. Tuesday morning, I got up and went out and read for a while. Cappuccino in the morning. I need all the brownie points I can get. And when I walked through the bedroom, Jane said, How are you doing, Laura? I said, I'm, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to get adjusted here, but I'm, I had a lot of eggs in this basket. I've been thinking about us, what it was like when you finished Bible college and we were sitting wondering what God was going to do with us. I just turned 37. Our hearts were to go to Washington State or Oregon or some beautiful place. And we had no idea all those connections are going to be made. And then my pastor walked into me one day and said, hey, listen, there's this church 45 miles west of us in Kansas, but on the other side of the Flint Hills. And they need somebody to come and speak. And I reluctantly okay, I'll go. I'm not interested in going there to stay. I'm I'll go and speak to them. And I did. And that night as I drove across the Flint Hills headed home, I said, Lord, I'm not going to tell Jane about this. You're going to have to do it yourself. And two weeks later, I went back this time, Jane was able to go with me. That night, as we traveled across the Flint Hills, 
almost the same spot. Jane looked at me and said, I guess we won't be going to Oregon or Washington State, will we? We spent 24 and a half years at that church. Listen, I'm a little disappointed. I'll tell you because I was ready to get on with this, but I was reluctant at the same way same time because that meant saying goodbye to people that I love, the right people God sent here. And good things have happened to us in this waiting time. Shelby's, I read a post you made recently on Facebook about how much you love your church family. You know, there was some times I didn't think any of us liked each other. And that has changed with us. We're a different group. Good things are here. We're a good church. We're going to be a good fit for somebody. I was 37, but I had no experience. But I happened to find a couple of good people in the church when I got there. And those people blessed me and walked with me. All I want somebody that's hungry for the Lord, hungry to serve God, that'll come here. It's humble. They don't have to have a lot of experience. What they have to have is a lot of love. If they have that, and they have us to work with, we can have a winning combination. And know this, there's somebody somewhere who's saying, Lord, what's next for me? What do you have for me? And I'm saying to that, Lord, what do you have for us? Bring that person. If you'll stand, thank you for your time. wish you safe travels, Pastor. Blessings, and we'll miss you. But uh, Pastor Tim and I will fumble around here, and we'll love them, and they'll know their love, and we'll come back to a healthy flock, and, and you'll be refreshed in those three weeks. Father, I ask that you bless these people. Open their hearts. May they be humble in their approach to you and in their approach to those around them. Bless them and encourage them. Let your face shine upon them. Bless them with health. Bless them with peace in their families. I pray for a very Merry Christmas for them all. I pray that our light shines. That people know when they're in our town, when they are with us, that there's something about us. May they be drawn Use us.